Well, we are to, uh, getting towards the end of our Kingdom Builder series. We will get there next week where we are going to have our uh, local Kingdom Builders partners who are going to share with us opportunities for us to get involved in our community. And have you appreciated hearing from our global Kingdom Builders partners the last two weeks, the Mancys and the Hutchinsons? And yeah, it's, it's why we do what we do. We, we, we don't do this for ourselves. We do this to make sure that God's kingdom expands. And there's going to be a very practical ask next week about each of us considering where are we serving in our community to make sure that God's kingdom grows. So it's going to be a fantastic way to end the Kingdom Builders series. But it's Mother's Day. So we wanted to take a little bit of a pause and focus on our moms. Now, before we get to the message, I need to know, what did you do for your mom? So... Uh, I'm looking your way, Addison. What happened for mom this morning? You had Mother's Day breakfast. Did you make it? Oh, give it up for Addison this morning. Yes, well done. Is there, is there any mom who's here this morning that didn't get a Mother's Day breakfast? I just, just want to see. I just want hands up nice and high. Susan, Susan, you didn't get a Mother's Day breakfast? You were greeting, but, but what time did you get up in the morning? 6.45. There was time, people. There was time. You have, listen, you have two meals left, okay? You can still make this right. All right, you got it, right. So make sure you care for your mom today. It's not, the day is not over. You can still do this online. You let Jesse and our online chat team know what have you done for your mom this morning, and they will encourage you to do more. Uh, but we are, we are going to make sure that our moms are going to be cared and loved for, uh, cared for and loved. But we know that probably the best gift that any mom could receive is assurance that her kids will be all right. Am I right? Well, that's, that's what we want to know. And so what we're going to ask this morning is the question that's really on not just mom's hearts, but on all of our hearts and minds. Will the kids be all right? Will the next generation make it? Because when we think about all of the struggles that are going on in our world, we know there are financial struggles, None of us believe that our kids are going to be able to buy a house in this, in this uh, neighborhood, right? Like, there's probably many who are participating in the service that go, I can't buy a house. No way my kids are going to be able to buy a house. We know that there are mental health challenges. There are people accessing more mental health resources than ever before going, I just, I can't make today happen. I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. So we're worried about their financial health, their mental health. We are having big cultural conversations that we've never had before, and we're wrestling issues out and in very public ways, and, and we're asking, is the generation behind us actually going to have a life that's worth living? And if we talk about even the, um, even the climate change things, we go, is it going to be 50 degrees and floods and negative 50? And we don't know what the world is going to look like. And the changing landscape of faith and culture that everyone is asking is, will the kids be all right? And well, we got some believers this morning. Yeah, we can believe that the kids will be all right. But this is not just a mom and dad conversation. This is a generational conversation. And so for today, for Mother's Day message, we're going to go to a very foundational part of the Bible where Moses is establishing the nation of Israel. He, he brings all of the people together. They are about to go into the land that God has promised them. And this text applies to mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and sons and daughters. And he gathered all of the people of all ages around and he read them the Ten Commandments which God had given them on the mountain years ago. And he explained how they were intended to be handled. He explained how they were intended to be obeyed and he instructed them that they had to be passed on. 
And then we get into Deuteronomy chapter 6, and he has something else to share with them. So open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy 6. We're going to look at these seven verses, verses 3 through 9. And if you're picking an app, uh, or if you're picking a version in your app, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So you're just going to want to hold it there because there's some notes you're going to want to make. And uh, most of the verses will be in, um, in your notes and on the screen, but some of them you're going to want to hold, uh, you're going to want to make some notes on beyond that. And we're going to look at, just in a very uh, orderly, exegetical way, we're going to walk through the scriptures from front to back. Nothing fancy here this morning. But on Mother's Day, we're going to look at how we pass faith down to the next generation. So let's look at Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 3. This is what it says in the translation I'm reading. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. You will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He's got a promise in here. If you want it all to go well with your children, here's our first point taken right out of the scripture. Listen closely. Now, who is responsible for it to go well with the next generation? Is it, is it their responsibility? Or is it our responsibility? Is it a shared responsibility? It's an interesting conversation, right? Perhaps on Mother's Day, the thing we should do is you bring all the moms together and shame them and say, moms, it's your fault if the kids aren't doing well. What, what a happy Mother's Day message that would be if we just, brought, <laughs> we just brought all the moms in and shame them. The reason your kids aren't doing well is because of you. Think, think about what you've done. But parents, we often do feel that responsibility that I need to pass this on to the next generation. And, 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 and if I don't do a good job, then, then there's no way that they're going to do well. And if it's not the parents, then we will think it must be the church's responsibility. We have pastors and leaders who are tasked with, with teaching and, and caring. Then, then it must be our collective responsibility as a church. And I was reflecting that in a great week, the church collectively gets two to three hours with the next generation. For most, it'll be two to three hours a month. Compared with 15 to 20 hours on YouTube and video games and 30 hours of school and 25 to 30 hours in our homes, the church does not have the ability to make the, that kind of impact on the next generation. So let's look at what Moses does. Moses calls everyone together and he says, everyone, listen closely. Obey what God has commanded you to your ancestors. You want it to go well? Listen closely to my words. And yes, we function as family units, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments. And yes, we worship as a church community, and we have some collective responsibility. But the call is very clear. You want it to go well with your life? Me. Listen closely. Be careful to obey what God has instructed then life will go well. Then I will receive the promise of God that he has for me. Now, we live in a world right now that is really interested in defining truth in very relative ways. We will say, if I have a truth that I have experienced, I should live that out, and then it will go well for me. And it's a conversation that is very common in most of our educational circles, so definitely in our schools, definitely in our social circles, and on, and on social media. And there is something to be learned from that, because we've all had very different experiences. Carlos, you and I had very different childhoods, right? You're, we're going to guess. Yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had different childhoods. We learned church differently. We learned faith differently. We learned family differently. So there are things that you'll experience that are going to be different than what I experience, right? And so the, the, the same thing hits us, and we go, well, 
I actually react to that differently. So there is something to learn there. However, the difference is with truth. The truth of the Lord, when it's handed to us, it cannot be relative. It cannot be true for me, yet not for you. And I can't be okay with defining my own pathway. Here's what Solomon, the man gifted with wisdom, who heard these words of Moses as well, read to him. Here's what he said in Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a path before each person that seems right. But in the end, it leads to death. This generation, 2022, we need to think this one through. There is a way that we are defining truth for ourselves that seems right, that sounds right, that sometimes even feels right, and in the end, does not lead to life. It does not lead to a way that we will go well. Solomon said that there's a way we will be convinced, and it actually leads us towards death. You know, we've been talking about this as a church leadership and our pastoral staff team. We're, we're so convinced of this that we're making plans and preparations for the fall. In the fall, we're very excited to launch something called the Portico Learning Hub. And you're going to be hearing about this over the course of the spring and the summer, getting ready for a fall launch. We're going to have a whole online learning resource that does nothing but teaches God's truth in deeper theological ways about creation and identity and eternity and salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit so that when we have questions, what does the church teach and what, what does the Bible say about this, the stuff that we don't have time to spend hours on a Sunday, an online learning resource hub for anyone and everyone to use. And then we're going to go further than that. We're going to say in the middle of the week, we're going to come together and teach these things in an interactive way so that we have the ability to have discussion and debate about it. And this is not going to be an adult-focused ministry. This will be children, youth, young adults, and adults coming together to go, if I'm concerned about it going well for me, then I will take time to listen closely to the Word of God. I will make room for that and move, take other things out of my life so that I can learn and listen closely to what God has to say. Because do we want it to go well? Then we can't be concerned with entertainment. We can't be concerned with just feeling good. We can't even be concerned with just what feels right for me. We have to be concerned with the Word of God. Because a self-directed life brings two things. It brings greater autonomy, but greater opportunity for pain. A self-directed life ignores all of the lessons learned by past generations who have walked through pain. And we say, yeah, what you say might be true for you, but not for me because I'm in a new space now and I'm different. Greater autonomy, but greater opportunity for pain. And the parent heart of God is that his children would take time to listen closely to his teaching. And trust that there's a path to success that extends beyond their own experience and beyond what they would believe to be true. So context of Deuteronomy chapter 6 is very important. If you read back a few chapters uh, in Deuteronomy 3, it discusses that this was 38 years after they had left Egypt. Okay, 38 years they had been in the desert. And you remember what happened in those 38 years when the people who were given the opportunity to walk into the promised land, yet they didn't have the faith to do that? You remember what happened to that generation? They died off. So who is Moses speaking to in this moment 38 years later when he says, listen closely? He's speaking to young men and women and their families. And he says, oh, listen closely to the word of God. Be careful to obey it. You will be blessed 
if you listen closely to God's word and you will be careful and obey. So let's keep reading. Let's get up to verses four, four through six. So he says, listen closely, be careful to obey it. And then he gives this command. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today is what he teaches. So let's look. There's two words in there I want to pull out in our second point. We must love wholeheartedly. I think this is still a generation, 2022 in Canada. I believe this is still a generation that knows many of the teachings of the Bible. It's still, it's still common enough in our society to say, I'm supposed to love other people the way that I love myself. We would understand that to be a good thing. We would understand that there are times when I have to make sacrifices so that somebody else is cared for instead of just keeping it all to myself. We would know that there are righteous ways to live when it comes to our sexuality, to our thought life, to the way that we act. This is, this is what we understand as a society. But wholehearted love of the one who made these laws, that's a whole different conversation. Listening is about the principles. Listen closely. Do we know them? Love is about having a relationship with the God who created them and passionately honoring him. God's principles give us guidelines, but it's his love that gives us life. And the kind of love here that is described, this is probably not unfamiliar if you've been in church for any number of years, but something that we should unpack, that love God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. So love God with your heart. This is, this is a culture that believed that the heart had what we understand as brain function, this culture believed that there was thought that actually resonated or that actually resided in the heart, meaning our thoughts and our passions. When Moses reads this, he says everything you think and everything you feel should be consumed by our love of God. And when we look around and say, is life going well for this generation and will they be all right? We first have to ask, will God's love consume the thoughts and the hearts of the next generation? So let's just talk about, let's just be real. And thank you, Heather, for leading us through that reflection earlier. Because this is, this is critical to what we're doing today. What is consuming our hearts and our minds? For many of us, it would be a conversation about work. We would say, am I fulfilled in the job that I'm in? Is the job that I'm in giving me enough income to live in the community that I live in? And is this something that I can continue to keep doing? And, and these thoughts begin to consume our minds. And when those thoughts begin to consume our hearts and our minds, you know what's bumped out a little bit is the all-consuming love for our Heavenly Father. And then we begin to have conversations about, am, am I being treated fairly? Are, are, my, are my rights being met? And maybe I, need to, maybe I need to make a little bit room to make sure that the world works the way that I feel that it works. And it, it takes away some of that all-consuming love of the Father. Is my life following the narrative or the script that I believe it should or am I following else's somebody narrative and my kids what what what, what world am I leaving for my kids and the, these are all all real thoughts and real challenges that definitely deserve some of our time and some of our energy but the problem is they begin to suck away all of the room in our hearts and they become consuming in the way that actually God wants to be all consuming in our hearts 
and just trust in him and praise him even when it's difficult and believe that he's still in control. And Moses said, Israel, you want it to go well? Then let the love of God be the only thing that consumes your mind and consumes your heart. Let that be the only thing that you fight for. But then he, he doesn't just leave it there. He says, you have to not only love with your heart, but you have to love with your soul. And there are so many people in our culture today that go, I, I just feel a little empty in my soul. I, I feel like, I feel broken. I, it feels dark. I've had this discussion with a lot of people lately. They say, they describe it as a cloud. And I feel, I feel a cloud. And I keep hearing this, this phrase in unconnected conversations. Can I suggest that it's not God who is less than enough for us. God is, God is more than enough for us. It's that the world and its hurt and its brokenness has taken up residence in our, in our souls. And there's another thing that's feeding our soul. And it ends up consuming it to a place where we go, I, I just feel a little broken. And Moses says, do you want it to go well? Then all of your thoughts and all of your feelings and even your soul, nothing else can have residence within you, only your love for me. But he doesn't even leave it there. Then he says, with your strength, all of your energies, all of what you do needs to be focused around serving and loving God. If you want it to go well, this is the kind of love that needs to consume your life. And if actually, if you go back a few verses, let's, these verses aren't going to be on the screen, so just... Uh, let's, let's scroll down a few, a few verses because Moses knew where they were about to go. They were about to go into the land of Canaan where life was going to be good. And they had been living in the desert in tents and they had been moving around every couple of years. People were dying off. And then do you remember what they ate? They ate bread off the ground every day for 40 years. Like this was a terrible existence that they, were, that they were going through. And they were about to go into this place of security where no one could attack them. And they were going to have food like they've never had before. They were going to have wealth like they never had before. And there would be things of the world that would start to consume their hearts. So what does he say to them? Let's go down to verse 11. He says, the houses will be richly stocked with goods that you didn't produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig. And you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant when you have eaten your fill in this land. And here's the warning. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Because a privileged life, whether it's in Canaan or in Canada, leads us very, very easily into forgetting what God has provided for us. Living in a place of prosperity is the perfect breeding ground for apathy when it comes to our faith. Because God's goodness always seems less when we feel like we can provide goodness for ourselves. When we feel like I can, I can provide what I need in a certain way so I don't need to rely on God. Or when we expect nothing but good to come our way, we begin to go down this road of apathy that Moses warns against. He goes, when you get there into that place of comfort and privilege, don't forget that it's actually the Lord that provides it all. And we're in this season of life where we talk a lot about self-care. 
And I'm an advocate of self-care. I believe that you need to have a, a rhythm of rest and work. And if you, are, if you are working and working until you crash and then you rest only when you crash, it's unhealthy. It's not what God established. He established the first day to rest and to worship and to be regenerated by his spirit. And I believe that if we're always in a way of just, of just giving and giving and we never take a time to receive from the Lord, we never let anyone appreciate us, we're, we're out of balance. So we need to do self-care. I'm an advocate of it. But do you know that the most important act of self-care is soul care? If you believe that you can manage yourself without managing your soul and you'll be healthy, you've been fed misinformation. And the wisdom of this world says there's a path that seems right, but it leads to death. The most important thing we can do is make sure that our soul is cared for. And if God's love and his word consumes our soul, you will be shocked how easy it is to do self-care. <laughs> but when the worries of the world consume our hearts and our minds, real worries, let's not, let's not joke, these are real concerns, but when they take residence within us, it almost becomes impossible to do self-care. There's nothing more beneficial for a soul than 100% sell out to the love of God. If, the, if we want the kids to be all right, here's the messaging that needs to shift in our culture. Stop focusing on loving yourself well first. Love God well first. You love God well first and it will go well for you. These are not my words. These are the words of Moses to the Lord from the scripture, which is what we read this morning. Okay, third one. And it won't be a direct quote from the scripture because we wanted to alliterate it. It's important to alliterate every message, every point in a sermon. Did you know that? It's not actually, but we did. We did anyway. The, la- the, third one is, the third one is to level up. Now let me talk about this and I'll show you where it comes out of the scripture. If you're a parent, let me speak directly to parents. There is a greater expectation on you. You are not just playing on one level. You are playing on two levels. Because what we've been discussing about listen closely And loving wholeheartedly is not just true for you, but is also critical for your kids. Let's put verse 7 on the screen. We've done 4 through 6. Put verse 7. He says, to parents, what we've just read, repeat them again and again. And I love how he repeats it. Because parents, your kids are going to tell you you talk too much. You say, no, no, this is out of the Bible. I'm allowed to be annoying. This is out of the Bible. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're out on the road. You talk all the time and you just keep doing it. You are empowered by Moses today. And when you are going to bed, you be there with them when they're going to bed. And right when they wake up, you be right beside their bed talking about Jesus to them. Annoy them. (laughs) Kids, you think mom talks too much in the first place. Here's the Bible telling you there. She's going to be right there. Straight from the Bible, mom, permission to annoy your children. (laughs) Repetitive reminders about what? God's instruction. Again and again. Listen, I am an advocate. If you want to talk to your kids about something, you trap them on a long car ride. They can't go anywhere. You put them (laughs) right beside you and you trap them and you talk to them about this stuff. You bribe them with ice cream. You pretend you're going to Dairy Queen and you get them somewhere and you talk about something important. You hang out in their rooms before you go to bed. This stuff is in the, this is not, this is in the Bible. This is what Moses taught. Because if you're a parent, you're, you're playing on two levels. One is for your life and one is for their life. And theirs is a world that you probably don't understand. 
Every generation will say, I have no idea what my kids are doing, what they talk or how they talk or what they like. It's weird and confusing. Just a reminder, you were weird and confusing to your parents as well. So this is the circle of life to be weird and confusing to the next generation. But if you are not the number one voice of influence in your child's life, you are welcoming something else into that privilege. And we are doing this. There are all kinds of other voices that are becoming the number one influencer in our kids' lives. And listen, I've been a youth pastor for 10 years. I've led in campuses, and now I have the privilege of serving in this role. I promise you I will never be the number one voice of influence in your child's life. And I even want the church to be the number one voice of influence in my child's life, but I know the church will not be. I have that privilege. And I can step into it or I can abdicate it. The church does not have the time, the relationship, or the authority to be that voice. Now, we need to do better because we have not been successful in this. And this is why I'm telling you, in the fall, we're going to take time with our kids and our youth and our young adults. And we may not have as many numbers there, but we will have much more influence when we speak God's word and say, you want to, get, you want to be a disciple, you want to grow? We'll take that time. And I'm good with that because I want to be an influence. But youth ministry was not the model of the church that Moses gave to his people. It was not the model of the church that Jesus left his disciples. The church is more than 1,900 years old, 2,000 years old. Do you know how long we've had youth ministry for? 50 years. <laughs> and the track record of youth ministry is not that good. The Otis is on us as parents because we're playing this game on two levels. And I'll tell you, the faith that your kids will replicate or reject is the faith that they see lived out in your home, not the faith that they see lived out on stages in churches. And this is not a guilt thing, so let me be clear. This is not to say that if you have a child who is not serving the Lord, then, hey, parents, you messed up. This, because what were the first two instructions that Moses gave? He gave every individual, young and old. He said, listen closely to God's word and obey. So this is on me. And then he says, let God's love consume your heart and your mind and your strength and your soul. So, so we need to do, the, the, the onus is on us as well. But parents, <laughs> there's an influence we have that is greater than anything else. And this is, this, this is heavy stuff. We, we laughed as a teaching team when we said, this is not a typical Mother's Day message where we read Proverbs 31 and say, a wife of noble character is a wonderful thing, now let's go have lunch. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't do that today because I felt like we needed a reminder. Just like Moses was speaking to the new generation, they needed a reminder about what's critical. We have to get serious about setting a new tone in this generation because there is a tone that is being set in our world that I am extremely uncomfortable with. Listen closely to God's word. Let the love of God consume your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And kids, if you get tired of hearing about it, then get used to it. <laughs> You need to love God's word. You need to journal and study. Where's my daughter? You need to journal and study the word of God. I gave you a necklace that has a scripture verse on it that says guard your heart. You need to guard your heart. You need to sacrifice. You need to turn the other cheek when people are mean to you. You need to do this and I will be the voice of influence in your life. 
And I'm sorry about that. Because <laughs> we're not here to be friends to our kids. We're here to be the parents God called us to be, right? So yes, on Mother's Day, it's okay to be challenged. This is on us. We're playing on two levels. And this is not about guilt. This is about taking the responsibility that God called us. And, and listen, beyond, beyond parents, we, we journey together as a church. So whether you are a parent or not, whether you have young children in your house or not, this is on us. What did David teach to the generation? Psalm 145 and 4. He says, let the generation tell its children of your mighty acts and proclaim your power. This is on us that we journey. And if you don't have an active parenting going on right now, get involved in our kids and youth ministry. I'm telling you, every Sunday morning, we have a privilege of an, 45 minutes or an hour to spend with these kids. Every Friday night, we've got a couple hours to spend or Wednesday night with our, with our young people. And if you think you'll be out of touch, I'm telling you, the 25-year-olds that serve other youth right now, they're out of touch because the minute you turn 20, you're old to young people. So there you go. So get, in, get involved with them. They need every age. But we have created a society that's deferred too much responsibility. Say, well, our teachers will do this and our coaches will do this. And yes, even our pastors will do this. Let's own this as a generation and as parents. And Moses promised that the kids would be all right if we would do this. All right, let's finish the scripture text off. Deuteronomy 6, 8 and 9 says this. So once you know all of his commands, he says, tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on, and on your gates. You know what he's saying to a generation that was about to go into a land that had no idea who the Lord was? They didn't know who the Lord was. They, they only knew of gods and other, other ways to live. He said, when you go there, you live boldly. You live it in a way so that people see it and people are confronted with it. And we live in a world that does not want to hear about our Bible and our God anymore. And listen, this is a reputation as a faith group. There's part of it that we've earned and we just, we just have to own that. We've hurt people. We've been self-centered a little bit. But Moses gives this instruction to a group of people like us living in a different world. And he says, when you go into this new land and you live your lives among people that don't know God, he says, wear the scripture in places where you will see it and they will see it and they will be confronted by what God has to say and what his truth is and what his promises is. And you live that boldly. And don't worry about it. Because th there is something that happens when we put the scripture on our lives and we wear it this way. Now, this has been done lots of different ways. There's not one way to do this. Many of you, you would have scripture written on a pic, in a picture frame, whether it's knitted or whether it's printed or whatever. How many have you a, a picture of scripture in your home? Just, you have it, yeah, a picture, okay. And then we got a little bit younger, and how many of you have it tattooed somewhere on your body? Some of you do, yeah, yeah, we do. So we're gonna give tattoos to everybody on the way out on Mother's Day. <laughs> no, we're not gonna do that. And now we live in a world where social media is where we share our lives and show our lives. And I'm, I'm going to challenge you, especially the younger generation. If you do not have God's word on your social media, but you have all the other things that consume your heart and your mind or your soul, there's a reason that life is not going well. It's because you don't have God's word written on your life. Write it out so people can see it. 
And if it costs you something in this world, then you are actually following in the footsteps of Jesus. Get it on your life so that people have to confront it. Live boldly. Tie it on your hands. Wear it on your forehead as a reminder. Put it on the doorposts of your home. I don't know how you do it, but publicly display God's word is powerful in your life because it's a reminder to yourself that when you get ready to try to define truth in a way that is not the way God defines truth, you're going to be confronted with that scripture. You're going to go, whoa. (laughs) I listen closely to his words. And when you get ready to get tempted to go down a path of God's not in control and I'm stressed and I'm worried, you're going to be reminded that God cares even for the sparrows and he knows how many hairs are on your head. So don't worry because it won't add anything to your life. And when you're tempted to create your own truth and your own narrative, (laughs) you're going to know that God and God alone is true. The kids will be all right. You guys are right in the first place. The kids will be all right if we listen closely, we love wholeheartedly, we level up parents, and then all of us live boldly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word promises us that you will care for every detail of our lives. God, that there is truth beyond what we live. God, I thank you that as you gathered your people together, you didn't coddle, you challenged your people. And God, thank you for the challenge that is regularly given in your word. And God, forgive us for the times when we we try to sidestep the difficult challenge. God, thank you that when we step in and we're corrected by your word, you give us life. And Lord, I pray on this Mother's Day, we would experience the life and the truth and the freedom that is in your word. We thank you for this, Jesus, and we pray it all in your name. Amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone.